0: So you just made your transition, right?
1: Yeah, uh, like uh, something about faces melting, and then there was giggles. <laughs> faces Perfect. melting. Perfect.
2: Whose yeah. face would not melt
1: after 250 podcast episodes?
2: Hey, wow.
1: Thank you for listening to Game of Thrones, everyone. This is a podcast. I'm putting my arms around everyone right now. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's big arms. Yeah, they're kind of big. You've been working out? I got a wingspan. Oh <laughs> Did you know that your arm span is
2: within inches, uh, the equivalent of your, of height? your height? Yeah, mm-hmm. Kate knew that. She yeah, she knew that.
3: I, mm-hmm. I associate that fact with Michael Jordan for some reason.
2: Oh, I do with uh, Dan Brown. I think yours is probably better.
3: Dan Brown, the author of Da Vinci? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
0: No.
3: He's
2: talking about... Uh, Dan Vi- Brown, the
0: Hall of Fame... Basketball player,
2: <laughs> yeah. Who? Dan yeah. Brown,
1: the uh, professional roller blader.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, yo, we we have earned roller blades though. We are uh, this past year has gone by in a blaze uh, ah, of, of glory, yeah. and uh, I, I just want to <laughs> say that this has been our best year yet on Game of Bones. And for those of us who've been listening to us for even half or a third of these 250 episodes, we are we're just thrilled
1: uh, to yeah. have you here with us. I can't believe we've made it to 250 episodes. This is really yeah. cool. <laughs> Let's celebrate.
3: Here's to at least 250,000 more episodes. Yeah. yeah. Gosh,
2: 250,000. I don't know if
1: that'll happen. That's a lot.
3: To, of we probably have to make Three or four episodes a day for the rest of our natural lives.
1: <laughs> Some of you at home who write read into us may appreciate that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Some of you may not.
1: You know, it's funny because these books are not any
2: less interesting than they were when we first started them. Actually, the, and the show as well. I think we started with just discussing the TV show season one. Uh, or was it two? No, two was starting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we have managed to keep uh, you know, talking about things and, and it has managed to continue to interest us. I know that uh, just today these chapters are made some of the best uh, adapted moments in in the TV show, and you know, reading them for the first time uh, for two of us and the other two, you know, revisiting them, it still has this this pull on us. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's still exciting, and this world is great. (laughs) All right, thank you, Micah. You're I right. Like, no. On the
3: last episode, we, uh, Mike said at the at the end, he was like, "Well, we've got a Danny and a Sansa chapter ahead of us," and I was like, "Great," but I regret <laughs> that because they're amazing chapters. Mm-hmm. These are again, I realize that this this cluster of of plot in the middle of Storm of Swords is so pivotal and iconic and full of mm-hmm. these rich, huge moments. Yeah, both of these chapters are insane. That's they're very, very true.
0: good. They're very good. And uh, actually, Anara Snow on uh, Watchers on the Wall, she made a comment about our comment. and uh, That's meta. It is meta. <laughs> uh, and, and I'd like to read it. I'd like to share it with all of you on this 250th episode. Yeah. Mm. Uh, she starts out by saying, there's just one comment in this episode I really don't understand. <laughs> the apparently sarcastic comment about the upcoming Danny and Sansa chapters. Oh, oh. Yeah, sorry about that. But uh, she doesn't t- name names. No, Kate. but she's talking to me but Kate. Kate. She's and <laughs> above that. She's really above that. Well, my, my comment was meant to be sarcastic, so she did at least pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the comment would have made a lot more sense without the sarcasm. <laughs> Why wouldn't everyone be excited about them? Or Catalan's chapters, for that matter. I can see why Bran's chapters wouldn't be seen as the most exciting since not a lot happens to him, even though we get some great information, like the Night of the Laughing Tree story. Very true. And I can understand why Essos, in general, would not be seen as the most exciting location. But Danny's chapters in Astapor are really strong and much more exciting than most of what's going on in Westeros at this point in the book. But Sansa has great chapters in A Storm of Swords, and so does Catelyn. We see the entire Stark campaign... And her and Rob's tragedy, and one of the book's high points is in her chapter. Whose chapters are supposed to be better at this point? Davos's and John's chapters were really nice, but they're not nearly as big in terms of events as the two upcoming chapters, Daenerys 3 and Sansa 3, which are among the strongest and, in my opinion, best in this book. And they are certainly the most eventful and important of the book so far. In addition to Sam's chapter, the two latest Catalan chapters, and Jamie's latest chapter. I agree. She makes a good point here. She's and, totally right. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, we presupposed a little bit just based on the names and yes. uh, the track record of these two characters. This, you know, Daenerys in particular has been somebody who I think a lot of us have stated her story just doesn't pick up a lot of steam. You know, it it seems to be a lot of the same. But in this chapter, certainly, uh, which we're going to talk about, um, it's one of the, the more powerful scenes, uh, I would say, in the entire book. And then with Sansa, it's it's somewhat of a defining moment, and uh, you know we can get more into it when we talk about the chapters. But I think you know Inara is, she's right, and um, you know we shouldn't presuppose.
1: I, for the record. You didn't presuppose. No, <laughs> <laughs> i been looking forward to these chapters. And it they, was the they, readers. They, they uh, uh, the disappoint. people who've already read.
3: Yeah, well, it's because I didn't. I didn't know what chapters were coming. I have. I haven't been like peeking ahead to read. Yeah. and see what's actually happening. For me, Daenerys, especially, um, coming off of book five. Daenerys' chapters are something that I have come to dread just because there's a lot of it's it's it gets to be pretty heavily just like politics and
2: Ooh. um
3: so I I associate her with dullness but I <laughs> it's incorrect because Storm of Swords is a really exciting book for her um and Sansa I'm just so tired of reading about dresses and <laughs> yes. No, and I wanted to bring.
2: Oh, well, I'm going to read. it. I'm going to.
0: Well, the fortunately dress thing for you, she takes chapter. it off in this chapter. She
3: does. She does. But I do love the description of her dress. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. I do too. Yes. Let's yeah. talk about Daenerys. It
0: was beautiful.
1: First,
3: Daenerys. This is the chapter where um, she has maybe one of her most iconic scenes. Certainly from the show, um, the 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 Great White Hope kind of kind of. Um, situations that she keeps getting herself into. She was criticized for that on the show because she she does end up being this like white face in a sea of brown people who are all excited to see her, you know, which is kind huh. of kind of unfortunate. But I don't get that I don't get that same feeling from this chapter because they make uh there there's a there's a strong point being made that we talked about last week about how you know Multicultural and many colored this this army of slaves is so I think maybe the the show didn't do such a good job of representing it um, as being so such a colorful thing anyway she (laughs) flees she frees the slaves she becomes she takes one step toward. Uh, this, this mother of dragons figure of legend that she's she's making herself out to be.
2: I know uh, some of the things uh, often when we discuss this chapter, one of the first things you, we always go to is mm-hmm. kind of the end, but just because these chapters have a way of ending in a, in a really big way. But I mean, if I could just, you mentioned the freeing of the slaves, and if there's really any battle cry that is the best battle cry you could ever utter, I really don't think you're going to top freedom. It's freedom, or was it the Bart? Valyrian word Dra- for freedom? Dracarys. Dracarys.
3: I think Dracarys yeah. means fire. It does. Mm-hmm. Ah. that's her command to Drogon when she's telling him to melt faces.
1: <laughs> that's what I do every time before I go on, like to do a, like a music set. We're just Dracarys!
2: like Dracarys. Dracarys.
3: Um, that's, you no got to name your band now. Dracarys. Yeah. Okay, well, I think. So I bad. think she was. She was yelling freedom. Also, go melt faces. Was oh, okay, because <laughs> she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one
2: point, she yells freedom, <laughs> and then she starts yelling your crass, and I'm like, I inferred from context clues, but no, it she actually wants now. the city to burn. She yeah. actually wants it to burn. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
3: Yeah this this chapter is full of amazing stuff, like descriptions of clothing. You get you definitely have a, a vivid mental picture. At least I do of exactly what everybody's wearing and how hot it is and um, the fringes on the tokars of the oh, of the great masters and everything else. yeah, it just seems like such hedonism in this town of Astapor. and you 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 resent it some somehow, even though I think that uh, American culture is pretty hedonistic in a lot of ways. there this this particular Astaporian culture, George Martin, makes you very aware of how resentful you should be of these people. yeah, they're they're totally unsympathetic. Completely.
1: Toward the the beginning of the chapter, there's this there's this paragraph that kind of – I feel like George did a really great job of setting up, apart from the, the physical things that were there in our minds, giving us the perspective that these men that she's communicating with, these heads of the slavers, the eight brokers that are kind of the dudes that – all control their own parts, their own branches of slavery, but they they come together for the big yeah. sales like this. Like they're they're united by their ancestors uh, through the unsullied, and this is a big sale for them, so they're excited. and And it says each of the eight brokers was attended by two or three body slaves. So this is each person uh, has their own people that just follow them at all times, which is very uh, indulgent, as Kate was saying. Let's get real here. <laughs> the one Grosden, the eldest, had six. So, of course, the eldest had to have six uh, other fully grown humans to uh, just accompany him as he went about his business. Right. Oh, yeah. That's more than I think Donald Trump would ever even consider doing. And so this is <laughs> we can understand what, what, what's happening here. It says, so as not to seem a beggar, Danny had brought her own attendants, Erie and Jaquie, in their sand silk trousers and painted vests, old white beard and mighty Bellas, her blood riders. Sir Jorah stood behind her, sweltering in his green surcoat with a black bear of Mormont embroidered upon it. The smell of his sweat was an earthy answer to the sweet perfumes that drenched the Astapori. Very clear setup here. <laughs> She's
2: like, Jorah smells, but not nearly as badly as these guys do with all their perfume.
3: Although there is this contrast that Danny is making between herself and the, the masters she points out that they have they have slaves and these people are attending them but she also has attendants and oh, yeah. the difference the difference to her is that these attendants follow her because they choose to and I don't. I want to. I want to ask you guys if you think maybe that's true. Because of course they could leave at any time. They've come to her service of their own accord. In some cases, in some cases, not Jorah was sent there to spy on her and is now in love with her. So both of his motivations are really questionable. Iri and Jiqui might just die if they just take off in the middle of the desert or become enslaved by someone else. So what choices do they really have? And conversely the great masters have these attendants and sure they're slaves and they've been slaves their whole lives but as danny finds out if you free a slave and they've been doing something their whole life are they actually going to be able to live a fulfilling existence mm. after they attain something as what she she deems Wisely or not, as being as valuable as as freedom, you know. Does does freedom actually give them that much freedom?
2: So I want to um I want to answer your your first question about whether or not what she's doing is like whether they're there of their own accord. Um, there's a statistic in this chapter when she talks about her um Kalasar about how there's 86 Mm -hmm. members of her Kalasar, men, women, and children. But eighty-six out of the ten thousand that Khal Drogo had. I
3: think it was a hundred thousand that he Oh, had. was it a
2: hundred thousand? Yeah, because uh, I, yeah. I remember
3: visualizing, trying to visualize a hundred thousand. hundred thousand. Yeah, this
2: chapter is great for that. Like there are if you think about like eight thousand and some unsullied, like all in this mm-hmm. courtyard or wherever it is that they are, with all of the these other people who turned of up punishment. to watch. Yeah, Plaza of Punishment, where all these other people have turned out, it's crazy to think about how many bodies are actually there and how many mm-hmm. vests they all have to wear. You know, did we
1: all Pointed helms.
2: Yes, how many phallic uh symbols <laughs> they're wearing on their helmet. But uh I, I think, Kate, that uh the sheer number, like how few there are, uh would benefit the notion that these people are there of their choosing because we see just that in that number so many other people have left. Um you know, maybe it was just something as simple as when e- when everyone else was leaving they hesitated? And are now stuck with Danny, but I, I think it's more than that. I mean, these are the people who I think genuinely have to believe in what she's trying to accomplish, as much as or as much or as little as they know about it, just because they're still there when so many, like you know, ninety nine thousand, you know, six or four, uh, 914 people are not
0: there. <laughs> right. Good math. math. Good math. <laughs> Plus, they all bow down together. So right. Uh, no, I I tend to agree with what you said, Eric. I think that I, I, there, of course, is an alternative in all this, right? They could leave her, but the question is where are they going to go? Yeah, to what end? Right. Do they join Calpono or one of the other Cal's and, and, and be subservient anyway? I, I feel like even though they are in service to Danny, they have certain freedoms that they otherwise would not, and they're able to enjoy their lives maybe a little bit more, ...than they would in other situations. I I just don't know that they would have the alternative to go and live in one of these cities and just become a a normal human being. I
1: think for the most part, their setup is great, considering what some of them went through uh, in the earlier books with Daenerys as she was making her way across the sea as it were the uh dirt and uh sandy sea. Yeah. You know this it's much easier now. They have the spoils of carth. They have the spoils of of what they've been able to take after terrible situations uh took place in Danny's life. So I feel like now is not the time, like, for for there to be any reconsideration of of their situation. Yeah. Just comparing her attendance to theirs, like, I'm sure their slaves are great, and I'm sure Grosdan has six really wonderful slaves, but Daenerys is rolling up with strong bellwass. Let's get mm-hmm. real here. Mm-hmm. Arsten Whitebeard, a.k.a. Barristan Selmy. Jorah Mormont in his big-ass green surcoat with his black bear <laughs> embroidered on it. And then he's got... The, she has the Dothraki with the bells in their hair. It's just, she, this is, it's hard to think about it because we're in the middle of it, but in, in a hundred, two hundred years when, when she is dead and gone and uh, whatever ends up happening with the story like this this will be part of the legend that's passed down like she she walked up with these people in the city of Astecor yeah. and then what took place took place you know like we're in the middle of this legend being made right now
2: you know it, it is funny because there are far less of Danny and her people than there are of the people that she's buying you know there aren't 8000 people that Danny has um, but she's buying eight that, like, she's adding to her numbers, but she's so much smaller. And so, tactically, it's really smart for her to show up with pretty much everybody that she can grab. Um, everybody that she has either initially in this chapter or once the actual buying takes place where they're all carrying, you know, as much as they can possibly carry of her goods and spices and things. Like, it's just, it's smart to have her not look both a, like a beggar, like it says in the, in that paragraph you read, but also in general, just like a little girl who's without an army or, or like without any, she has to pose enough of a, you know, threat like the the dragon has to have enough gravitas, this promise of a dragon that, you know, they go for this deal because otherwise she gets turned down.
1: And this deal making was uh, interesting because mm-hmm. we find out there's 8000 people that are ready and willing to be purchased. And then there are 600, six centuries of soldiers that are they, they don't want to sell them not in around 1000, which I find so interesting, the mathematics to this, because yeah. uh, some of the other masters are like, well, we could just, you know, sell them and get them out of the way. We don't really have to necessarily round them out to a 1000. And Krasnus is such a perfectionist. He's like, no, like they have to be perfect. Like, you know, they have to sell them in ranks of a 1000. And uh, no one finished slaves. It's just interesting to me, their amount of attention to detail with her product line. It's kind of inspirational. Mm-hmm. Danny
2: wants the puppies too. She's like, any any life she can save. You mm-hmm. know, like she doesn't she doesn't reveal that to them, but it, it like could give her away. She just says that she'll pay as much for the boys who have not yet um you know killed or whatever, as she will for the full-grown soldier. I don't know, that should have been kind of a tip or a hint as to her motivations, but one of the things I want to mention with this chapter is that unlike the show... In the show, it's hidden, but the book point of view character, it's still cleverly... George still cleverly masks what she's really feeling. Like, when she walks away from um, the first, you know, the deal when she's first promised her dragon, she feels like, oh no, what have I done? And it's not really revealed until the very end of the chapter that she, you know, what her plan is. But even though it's her point of view chapter, we're still as readers, you know, blinded to her true intentions until she starts calling for everybody to get their heads cut off.
3: It's Mm. true. And she, she does a really good job of there's several times when she Um, talks about how hard a decision this was for her but there's no other choice and she thought about it for a long time she cried and then she intends she she tells them that she intends to sell her dragon in exchange for these unsullied and arson whitebeard is like yo do not do not do this is dumb don't do it but she (laughs) and she and she dismisses him and you think like oh my god danny this is too much this is such a foolish idea just for your crown and i think now that instead of her you know worrying and crying about the idea of selling her dragon since she didn't actually ever intend to do it obviously she what she's worried about what she what has been hard for her is that she has chosen to play god and decide who lives and who dies mm. and kill a lot of people. And that's like, that to me seems like the actual moral dilemma that she had to go through because, like I said, she, her dragon was someone else's for about 10 seconds. Um, huh. What's, what's also interesting to me is that this is exactly, well, maybe not exactly, but in a lot of ways, very similar to what Viserys did to Danny that she resents him so much for, which was, Selling her in exchange for an army. Yes. Um, he, he of course went through with it, but in many ways, it's similar. And it's something that even as I say, she didn't, she never intended for this to actually be a sale. She had to control that situation so carefully so that Drogon didn't get carried away, so that she didn't get held at spear point until he was secreted off somewhere else. There's a lot of things that could have gone wrong here. And she she had to be so, so careful um, and not not show her full hand and and come off as truly, truly desperate.
0: Yeah. Going back to what you were first talking about, though, uh, I think that what Whitebeard did actually worked in her favor. Because he believed her. Absolutely. He believed her. It made it seem more like she was actually going to follow through with that. that. She was desperate. Yeah, absolutely. And. Uh, I like that little sidebar that the two of them had where she basically says, I'll take your counsel anytime that you want to give it to me, but don't do it in front of other people.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she scolds him, even though what he did probably lended credibility to her cause. She know? says,
1: you must not presume to instruct me. Sir Jorah, remove Whitebeard from my presence. <laughs> Damn.
3: It reminds yeah. me of that scene in uh, Godfather 2 when Fredo... Like tells he sides with someone else against the family. I think it's Godfather two, it might be one. But he, Fredo's like in the hotel. Have you guys seen God? My my, I've seen um, one, but I've I haven't seen, seen two. Ah. you
1: broke my heart.
3: Yeah, you broke you broke my heart, Fredo. But that's this is <laughs> this is a the part where he's in the he's in the hotel and he's it is the first one because it's before the the he uh, kills the heads of the five families. But Fredo's oh. like, yeah, you gotta you gotta just listen to this hotel guy, and then Michael has to take him aside later, and he's like, never. Take sides with me against the
2: thing. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Which is more of a Lannister thing, maybe. Well, <laughs> I, I
2: just love, uh, Kate, go back to what you were saying really quick this revelation that so, like, her feelings, how she can't sleep that night is, you know, it's real. It's not necessarily like I feel deceived when reading this chapter, but you suggested that her feelings are real. The reason she can't sleep, instead of the being that she uh, is trading her dragon, it's that she's sanctioning the deaths of all these masters.
1: And that's such an interesting thing to be a part of because I feel like we've had we've had terrible battles and we've had terrible losses in the story alone. But how how often do we get to have the the perspective of someone that's about to make that move and that's about to make that decision? And how perfect is it that it's someone that we know is as I don't want to say as green as Daenerys? She's young, but she's been through a whole lot. Um, this certainly it isn't in her her wheelhouse to, to be this kind of person and to make this kind mm-hmm. of decision. So mm-hmm. knowing what happens. And I knew what happened in this chapter because of all of the owns that were sent to us. <laughs> I didn't know that this would be the chapter oh, that it happened in. Not but. the
0: picture I posted? <laughs> no, well, yes, that, after that. <laughs> I definitely but that's know. what makes it so great, though. And, and at the same time, what makes it so crazy is that you're reading this chapter from her perspective, yet he's able to write it so that you have absolutely no clue mm-hmm. what she's about to do, which is so weird, because normally when you're reading from a Character's perspective—you're inside their mind, like you get that italicized internal monologue. Yeah. Yet you see none of that in this chapter, and it begs a question: Maybe she didn't know what she was going to do up until that morning. Though you know, this is certainly something that you think she take a little bit to- of time <laughs> deciding what she was going to do. But right. th- the fact that she was restless maybe has more to do with the fact that she was actually going to move forward with this, and there's really no turning back.
2: So maybe there was no. You know, planned deception necessarily into the last minute. That's an
1: interesting take.
0: Yeah, that that could be it. Or I'm saying that she was restless because she she was nervous about mm-hmm. what was about to happen. She so. she was about to big make a big power move mm-hmm. and bring down this entire city and the slavers that control it. And that's that's got to weigh a lot on her conscience. Going back to what was said before about you know having the spears thrust at her throat and, and Drogon taken off somewhere. Um, there's a real possibility that that could have happened because let's face it, she the numbers were not in her favor.
1: No, nope.
0: but mm. she made sure that you know that the words were spoken, that the deal was done, so that the unsullied heard it before she made any of her moves, which was smart.
1: She also made sure to speak with Masande in the litter when she freed Misande. Misande was given in this case uh, as a token of goodwill from Krasnus, uh after their bargain had been struck, which which was. Basically, all of the goods that they have, including their ships and Drogon, uh, in exchange for I believe the eight thousand soldiers and the uh, the six centuries. So, I mean, depending on where your value is in an army, the deal was that. So uh, opinions abound, uh, but um, she's speaking to Masande. And I feel like this is where maybe we should have had a little bit of a giveaway that there was more to the situation than than we knew because she was very interested in how well they would listen once she had the baton, essentially, once she got the fingers of the harpy, like if if they would have any sort of resolute stiffness to their uh, previous masters, especially, you know, maybe standing in the same place that they trained for such a long time. And uh, she learns that they're, They're gonna pretty much listen to whatever that person holding that thing says. So I think maybe in that moment she understood that it was a risk, but a calculated risk that was worth taking. Mm
2: -hmm. Gosh, it's just it's so Targaryen of her to burn everybody. Can we just can we talk about that for a second? (laughs)
3: So Targaryen, so Targaryen, Targaryen so Targaryen. Targaryen. I think I think the uh, another um, we had some foreshadowing that this was not actually going to be something that she stuck with because there's a point near the beginning of the chapter where she's walking with her. Her posse and she says, yeah, like, I should have a banner made with the <laughs> of the dragon on a field of fire. And then she gives away her dragon, which would make a three-headed dragon kind of seem silly. Um, so oh, I think that's God. that's like another another indication that she never actually planned to give up her dragon. But in this chapter, I remember reading this for the first time, and be like, What? Why would you give your dragon away, you crazy woman? And I I I was I mean, this, this is such a George Martin thing to do. He does this thing where it's just like, you know, shit happens, things change, and uh, ideals and, and icons mean nothing. You, you got to do what you got to do to get shit done. So I was fully on board with the fact that she was giving away a dragon in order to get this crazy. Army. Yeah, you get
0: sold. You get sold. What did on you, it? you think, yeah.
1: Mecca, when you read it for the first time? Did you think it was like for real? <sighs>
0: I can't remember honestly, but I'm sure I I would think it was for real. There's no reason um not to believe it, right? It it's it's very clear that that this is what she's going to go through with. And if you're reading it without any sort of foresight and you don't have the TV show to use, uh, you would think that she's going to move forward with this. Mm-hmm. And there's there's no there's no decisions that she has made previously, at least in my opinion, that would make you think that she's going to do anything other than that at this point. Yeah. And I think that if you're a reader for the first time reading this chapter, you're going through it and you're saying, oh man, Daenerys, what are you doing? Like she seems, she comes across as almost being desperate by making this move. But you know, you know, from reading through this chapter that that's what Krasnus and his goons so to speak his his council and his or i don't know if you call it a council but you know all those slavers the the end game is is the dragons that's what they want and you know there there's a whole you know part of this this chapter that talks about the negotiation side of it and you knew at the end of the day it was coming down to a dragon. They want it. It it's ingrained in their history, right? It says five times Old Gis con- contended with Valyria when the world was young, and five times gone down to bleak defeat. Mm-hmm. For the Freehold had dragons, and the emp- the Empire had none.
2: Okay, so that yeah, I had a question about that, which is basically because these guys do want this dragon so badly, but they have this huge like this this. Factory, I want to say this huge, um, all these machinations that are in place to build and breed these Unsullied's like it works. It takes what, 10 years for these soldiers to be bred. And that is what this city does, but yet they want this dragon, but they have no infrastructure to support actually containing this dragon that we're aware of like they want it so badly but they can't handle the heat clearly like it's not just because right. this not it's not just because that once they get one like drogon is still loyal to daenerys and you know all that stuff it's actually like they don't if they're not being very realistic with their their greed is way over you know overpowering their their common sense i think
1: which is a lesson in the matter yeah mm-hmm.
2: right it's just like yeah. stick to like yeah it really, really is i
1: mean their their greed is justified, don't you guys think because let's say you're you're the kind of people that do these kinds of things for a living, and you wear tow cars and you have different social statuses comparatively speaking to the kinds of fringe on your tow car, which is pretty interesting uh, mm-hmm. George R. R martin that was i very vivid. <laughs> let's say you're that kind of person. The prospect of getting one of three of the rarest creatures on the planet—I don't think that you would be worried about. You'd be worried about the the business side of it. You'd be like, "Let's just get them in our in our uh, grasps, and then worry about the business later." Yeah. Oh man. Which is a lesson. I did not necessarily see it coming. I knew that something was afoot when there was a late night visitor? Let's talk about that. It just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> talk about greatest hits though, Game of Owns.
2: This goes back very early on, Captain Creepy Face. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we called uh uh-huh. this this uh um this person who visits yep. Danny in the See uh,
0: this is this is where the discrepancy happens cuz I always thought Cap <laughs> Captain Creepy Face was polite pre right. Not, right. not not the They were
2: introduced <laughs> like in the same episode though, like Quaithe and Captain, and I, I think it, it applies to both clearly, but um, no, it doesn't because she, there's face. nothing creepy about <laughs> her
0: face. She's dressed like a Mortal Kombat character, yeah. right? They, like yeah, that's Scorpion. creepy. That's no, creepy. it's not. That, you're saying creepy face. It it implies that there's something wrong with the physical structure of their face. But Pyaare is bald. What's wrong
2: it's with covered him? Covered by uh, Pyaare is
0: a dirty man.
2: <laughs> <He's> just bald. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with baldness. Oh, that
1: nightshade. All <sighs> yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. I guess I guess Nightshade <laughs> may have turned his lips blue, but. Mm-hmm.
0: And oh, speaking of that though, Eric, there was a little bit more information. I think it was from Missande about them drinking this.
2: I'm glad you mentioned this. Yeah, it's about. Um, I guess we questioned the last Danny chapter, or I did, like about how they may or may not have to keep drinking this in order to stay these cold-blooded killers. But apparently. I guess do you have the quote? Or I remember what it said. It just said that um after they drink it for the first couple of years, they're pretty much gone. Like you don't you don't need to keep drinking it. So I had a feeling.
0: It's a pretty strong hooch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and also that several of her brothers are members of this uh
2: Yeah, Missandei on- 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 had three three brothers that were lost to this transformation. Which is just like she's not allowed to have any emotion about it, but it doesn't strike me as altogether that cold when she tells Danny it's just matter of fact. You know, Danny is finding out about these people, she's finding out about the Unsullied, and she asks Misande these questions before she, you know, really completes the purchase. And it's kind of smart of Danny in that in that way.
1: So, can I read this quote? Do you guys mind? Yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> she is standing. So I'll, I'll back it up a little bit. This is Daenerys thinking. She is standing over me. Who's there? Danny peered into the darkness. She thought she could see a shadow, the faintest outline of a shape. What do you want to me? That's a sentence. She, and then it goes on to say. <laughs> That's a sentence. <laughs> Remember, to go north, you must journey south. To reach the west, you must go east. To go forward, you must go back. And to touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow.
2: Let's talk about the, what she's already completed, because I feel like she's already gone east to go west, right? Like, she went east across all of the Red waste and found Karth, which you're not even supposed to be able to get to because it's so far, um, across dead nothingness. Like, I feel – and we know that she's been heading west ever since the beginning because she wants to go back to Westeros and reclaim her throne. So I feel like she's already gone east to go west. Thoughts? Kate?
3: I <laughs> I have to – you can't really answer this question if you've read the next two books. Oh. oh. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys just posit your theories. <laughs> um,
1: well, A- what's up to, to me to most is travel uh, south, touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. Hmm.
2: Is, this is, is that like Melisandra's
1: baby? Who you... even knows? I, I, I don't think that it quite <laughs> literally <laughs> means just shadow. like walk, like play limbo with <laughs> Melisandre's shadow, shadow baby. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting, interesting. And uh, we can only hope that it was quite. Uh, that that visited her. But when uh, she sprung from the bed and the, the door was thro- thrown open and yellow lantern light flooded the cabin, she saw no one. Mm-hmm. No one was there.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
1: was I it, agree with Kate.
0: Uh, great point, Kate. Yeah. Two books. Can't say anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no.
2: I, it, well, my question was where is she at currently? Like, I no, mean, unless no. it's explicitly stated in later books where she's at currently now, I don't see why you can't answer that question necessarily unless you I, I, I was
0: just being a bit sarcastic but yeah. I, I think that you know the observations that you've made are, are observations that are fine up until this point in the story I think that what you have said is, makes sense to well, anyway
3: look i'm, I'm just guessing to kate, here, does it
0: make sense to you kate it makes
3: perfect sense to me i
2: feel like she's done one of those things i don't yeah. know about the others i don't remember to that. those
1: of you playing at home i raised my gobble of coffee <laughs> <laughs> well one other answers
0: one other thing that was important during that um that night was um a dream that she had uh, right. where she thought she was rhaegar uh riding to the trident but she was mounted on a dragon not a horse When she saw the usurper's rebel host across the river, they were armored all in ice, but she bathed them in dragon fire, and they melted away like dew and turned the trident into a torrent. Some small part of her knew that she was dreaming, but another part exulted.
1: Sorry, there's no way you're melting Robert Baratheon. Yeah. Gods, he was strong. Thank
0: (laughs) the gods. (laughs) Caved in his breastplate. But is she talking about Robert Baratheon? Like, is usurper. she actually seeing
2: him, do you think? No, I mean,
0: sure. the usurper has been used for other people besides Robert. Robert's long dead.
3: Mm.
2: But this is supposed to be a past event, right? Or are you thinking it's the or future? Or is it? Oh, so so she's well, she's well, she sees herself as what, Rhaegar. So we think it's in the past. So either she's in the past and it's like, you know, Robert and Ned at the fist or the trident, sorry. Or she's in the future, but as her uncle. Or as her brother, sorry?
1: I think, if anything, uh, it's just her putting herself into the mind space of something that's already happened. Like, if if this is some kind of a premonition and there is going to be some some meeting of ice and fire, it's going to be her on the dragon. It's not going to be Rhaegar. Well, that's where the dragon Well, she was on the dragon. Yeah, because she was on a dragon. She was him,
2: but she was on a dragon's divorce. You know, I wonder if it's Greensight. Like, that'd be pretty cool if she was... If she's Any an chance you get. What? Oh, for the <laughs> you, Greens? Yeah, go children yeah. of the forest. Ra, rah. Give me <laughs> a C, mean, give me an H, give me an I. You know. I, <laughs> the, I the just
0: think it could trend. be I think it could be um a bit of foreshadowing, you know, since she is on a dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not I spe- uh, it does obviously mention the trident, so it is specific in that respect. But as far as usurper, I mean uh you know, Joffrey and Tom and both I think are are looked at as being uh, usurpers uh, by by many, so uh, you know. And and she she mentions though that they were armored all in ice, but she bathed them in dragon fire. Armored in ice, huh. and so we know winter is coming. Zing! See, I got it in there uh, <laughs> nice for our that. 250th episode. Oh was, yeah, we had to we say were able to include it. Uh, sure. We know winter is coming, and there's inevitably going to be some battles that take place. And we know she wants to return to Westeros with those dragons and. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it, maybe it's a bit of the past, but a bit of the future at the same time. Can
1: you imagine Daenerys flying into battle against the walkers and just against, in general, just those those icy, chilly foes? And they're all like, rah, doing like the sounds and, and like battle stuff that they make. And she's like, fuck you, just blazing them with fire and just melting people. I mean, it could be immediate foreshadowing as well, her dream,
2: because she does bathe people in fire the very next day. Uh, mm. eyes melt out and roll down his face. Yeah, that's hot. It's pretty hot stuff. It's like fiend it, fire. Just she super, shouts, super hot. fire, fire, fire. Yeah, the dream is very interesting. Anytime one of our characters have the dream, you know, there's the, 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 kind of we go through the same, uh, steps. Is it greensight? Where did this come from? Is it real? Can it be equated to Danny's, uh, trip in the house of the undying? And let's remember the things that she saw there. Uh, that were very clearly, we could pick out a few, that were premonitions. And so I, I think she does
1: have the gift of foresight. Well, she certainly has the gift of doing things in style. Not that that made much sense, but when the the trade essentially happened the next day, and her same attendants, and uh, they were joined by a lot more of the Dothraki, filed into the Plaza of Punishment, because they couldn't be fit into the Plaza of Pride and a lot of other places. They had to kind of go to the larger area of Astapor. I did not expect the... (laughs) What happened to happen in this manner? Uh, First and foremost, and I'm kind of skipping ahead of a few details, but when she was given the harpies of the or the the harpies' fingers, the uh, the baton that's sort of like a a cat of nine tails with the leather lashes and then Mm -hmm. the uh, the claws on the end of it, I did not expect her to do what she did with it. Which was at one point, and this was right before the pivotal moment where things started to shift and she started to yell. She takes it and just and, and the book describes it as destroying his face. Um, just it became a different face. She takes it and just yeah. rocks it across this dude's face and just <laughs> rips Krasnos's face open. Like shit.
3: Yeah. All of his features like falls to the ground. Se- 70% of his features just aren't there anymore. Yeah. Which style. <laughs> it's stylish and you're kind of like you're you've been prepped for the last two chapters to be like please Please wreck this guy. Please mm-hmm. do something to him that is just the worst. And then she slashes his face with the claws of the harpy, and he's like, "Ah!" And then she's like, "Hold on!" And then her dragon melts his eyeballs, and they run like liquid down his face. Yep, it's a pretty good way to take him out. After all, all of the abuses he calls her a whore. What, like thirty four times? Yeah, um, a lot of and, times. And a I, lot. It's, I, it's interesting too when she's about to, uh, she, she rides off and starts talking to the insulate and she has the whip and she's speaking to them in perfect high Valyrian. None of the good <laughs> masters are the oldest one is the only yeah. one who notices he like yes. whips his head around like, oh, and shit. you, you know, that guy was like, oh yeah <laughs> like it
2: was just slow motion in dread slow motion. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like too slow you know he and can't they're get arguing
1: out. over and i feel like the show uh because it's all this is happening so quickly i feel like the show did a great job of, of krasniss's glee in that moment because they were just so happy to to pass the chain over they uh they brought the dragons in and they took the the, the roof off of her litter and they were kind of anchored inside of it so i'm seeing like this mm-hmm. kind of cool like mobile Of, I wish I had one for strike of like something to tether him to sometimes (laughs) Um, and 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 they hand the the chain over she hands the chain over and then he passes the whip over at the same time and then the book basically just captures the glee and how quick he is to like turn to his friends and be like oh what do we do and they're all shouting like they're like giving crassness advice on what they should do with the dragon and that's when they don't hear her shouting to the uh, the unsullied, which I found Mm -hmm. so interesting, so -hmm. much excitement at one moment.
2: I love both, like equally, like in the book that he's so distracted by the dragon that he doesn't recognize. But I also love in the show when he realizes that he's been played from the start. Like all the times he called her whore, he's now like the whore Mm -hmm. of Westeros. He's now going to eat every single one of those words. Like I like this adaptation so much in the show. I think this. Both this chapter and the next chapter are just like triumphs of adaptation in the show. They're just so good and they're different, you know, but they're they're really good.
1: That's very true. It's hard to to. Uh, I mean, that's just true. They really did do a good job um, with this and the next chapter.
2: Yeah, it's like it's really well described in the books, how his eyes roll out of his face, though. that's <laughs> not is. something I'm going to forget. Like anytime soon, like thinking about the mountain and viper fight like that's that level of brutality as seen on the show that I, I almost don't even want to read because I'm sure it's going to be even worse written down, just like Krasnus, the melting of Krasnus's face.
3: Uh, Can I was go here. ahead and tell you, it is not worse. <laughs> it, oh, it's not worse? <laughs> watching, watching it on the show was the worst thing in the world. Yeah, the
0: I think they worst. took a few liberties here or there. With oh, okay, the show.
2: so they actually overdid it for this. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. This is very, though, Krasnus's face, like I'm not going to even – uh, I don't. I, p- trying to picture it is terrifying. You just going to
1: read it like, for the listeners. Yeah,
2: okay. please.
1: A lance of swirling dark flame took Krasnus full in the face. His eyes melted and ran down his cheeks, and the oil in his hair and beard burst so fiercely into fire that for an instant the slaver wore a burning crown twice as tall as his head. The sudden stench of charred meat overwhelmed even his perfume, and his wails seemed to drown out all other sound. Then the next sentence, which I love so much, it says... Then the Plaza of Punishment blew apart into blood and chaos.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: love it. I mean, in this in this next paragraph is is full of really great imagery of what's happening and how it's happening so quickly. It's just so cool. You guys should read this if you're not reading along with this. I know a lot of you are, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, well done, well done.
0: It's just it's a larger symbol too because when we first enter this area, we get a great description of. This uh, plaza of punishment. And it's also the first thing anybody really sees upon a- entering Astapor. So to have it completely obliterated is is symbolic. You know, she's she's not only freeing these slaves, but she's destroying this, this area, which is so representative of everything that this city stands for.
2: Well, that and the punishment now is just going to the masters instead of the, the slaves. Like, yeah. No, and mm-hmm. I mean, they had like – Zach mentioned the descriptions like they had a guy who's like – people who had been flayed and a guy whose arm was, you know, from fingertips to elbows, just covered in, in, uh, bugs because of what they had done to him. He raised a, a hand against the master and the hand was flayed off or taken. And the rest of him may or may not be alive, like terrifying stuff, but she is dishing it out. Like all this karma that has enveloped, uh, this city is just being thrown right back at them. And that makes
3: for, a really cool Danny chapter. Freedom. Very freedom. good. Very good Danny chapter.
1: I was excited. Uh,
3: can we can we talk about Sansa? We
1: should. We should talk about Sansa Do we have Do to? We have to?
3: Do we- <laughs> <laughs> I love this chapter. Yikes. This chapter is terrific.
1: I didn't see the marriage coming like this. I felt like I was as surprised as Sansa in this
0: moment.
2: Micah and Norris Snow is not gonna be very happy with this. <laughs>
3: She's she I She
0: knows we're just uh having a, f- a little bit of fun.
3: This is Chapter starts with description of the dress that Dad, that Sansa was getting fitted for in the last Sansa chapter that we had, um, and she is so excited. The first few paragraphs of this chapter are a beautiful description of a gorgeous gray dress with like a, a neckline that goes down to her belly button and is covered tastefully in lace. It's like a very sexy womanly dress with a really tight corset in it. And Sansa feels so hot, and she still doesn't quite figure out, like, huge skirts, and she's got new shoes and everything. And she's like, wow, the good. queen is so nice. And the queen's just, like, "What?" The standing there watching her get, get dressed, and Sansa still doesn't figure it out until, even when she says, like, she realizes she's getting married... Um and the queen was like, ah, oh, it's a shame we're gonna have to give you that gargoyle or cripple or whatever. And yeah, and she's like, well, Willis isn't that crippled. I, I don't know if he's <laughs> a gargoyle. Is a little harsh. I don't and, know. Yeah, and she's still until until she until she hears it, she's still not quite there. She's still living in this fantasy world. And this might be of all of the things that have happened to Sansa. Clearly, she's still dreaming about marrying her lord and living a fancy life with with puppies and hawks and things like that until this happened yeah hawking she's she has in this chapter she she may transform into like her final form this 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 might be where it happens because i think this is where all of her dreams go to die this is all she had left in her mind was the idea of at least marrying a nice young man who may grow to love her and be gallant and handsome. Cause clearly she's not gonna get any of the rest of what she wanted, because as far as she knows, her whole family's dead. Right. Or traitorous.
2: Or soon to be dead. Uh,
3: yeah. And so like all she has left is like maybe I can go join another family and live out my life and be happy. And now they're they're wedding her to the most hideous person in the Seven Kingdoms. And the The uncle of this monster, who's terrorized her for the last year of her life, probably, um, in King's Landing, and it's the it's it, to her the worst thing that could happen, and it is. We know, I think, as readers who are all big fans of Tyrion, we we've seen inside his head. We know what kind of bullshit he puts up with, um, mm. and what a good guy he is on the inside. So we don't we don't feel that dread. And so it's it's easy for us to read this Sansa chapter and see her disdain for Tyrion and feel a little resentful of her, I think. I, I certainly do. I resentful? I, yeah, because I I just want to be like, he's a yeah. really good person. He's a cool he's probably
1: this
2: she could have been reaches, worse. She reaches that decision. Like mm. she figures kind of like during at one point during dinner, I think she or maybe it's during the wedding, uh when she turns around and sees the look on his face, she felt bad for not kneeling, you know. Like I feel like she knows that it, it could be worse.
3: Then the refusing to kneel part, I was just like yeah, even in was, the show, watching yeah, that, Yeah, it like, was a little harsh. No, I think you're right though, she's mean. she's
2: coming into her final form, like what's that? Sansa Chu is evolving, like yeah. she's becoming who she's going to be I I just think that what the the interesting force at play here about this whole chapter is that it's a sudden development to her but Tyrion is obviously known for some time and he says that he wanted to tell her sooner a little later on but for her and for the Tyrells and it for has, me and us and and Zach and 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 me it has <laughs> to be a, a secret like still and the Tyrells I get the impression going a little bit ahead but I get the impression that they weren't even notified until after it happened like they show up grudgingly at the feast. And there are just like, they have this look of defeat. There's no witty liners, one liners or two liners, even from the Queen of Thorns. They don't talk to Sansa, you know, because they've been defeated. They, the Lannister Tywin has implanted, you know, his uh, family in the middle of this plot. And the, it's a deft move from him, but they had to keep it secret. And, and Sansa would have surely told the Tyrells and they probably would have gotten her out you know of the city mm-hmm. or, or tried to before if anybody knew.
3: It's it's possible that they are they feel defeated. I think it's probably more just a setback for them. This is this is not the end game for the Tyrells. Getting Sansa married into their family was just a power move um and they are the the Lannisters with flowers as Ser Dantos said. It's all the same kind of manipulation. Um and and one way or another Sansa was is, is a piece in this chess game to these people. So it's not a defeat because it wasn't their end game. It's just it's a bummer. But I think the saddest thing is that none of them even look at her or talk to her. They and they
1: yeah.
3: it's either that they feel so guilty that they couldn't have prevented this or That she does not mean anything to them anymore. She is no longer useful. That is cold. Yeah. And I, I do think the Tyrells are a family that they have a lot of redeemable characters in it. I love me the Queen of Thorns. I love her to pieces. And Marjorie seems very nice. But... Ultimately, we never get a point of view chapter from these people, so we don't know what's going on in their head. I know I say that a lot. Like, I, I have my doubts about people's motivations, because <laughs> anybody could kill anyone else at any point. It just might happen. And Elena, we have posited, was the, the one of the people who masterminded Joffrey being assassinated. Um so we know that she's got some some good character qualities at least uh, but I do wonder if they are just refusing to make eye contact or speak to Sansa because she can't help them anymore That's
1: curious. I mean it all happens so quickly. Even even for us reading the chapter. I mean I I, yeah. I thought this was going to be another Sansa chapter where okay maybe there's developments with the dress etc. I know that we <laughs>
2: It's like,
1: you know, reading like the a, second
2: pair you're like this chapter is going to be all about the dress or something.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I just I know that we learned about the the fact that Tyrion is to be wed to Sansa not too long ago in that mm-hmm. excellent chapter when they were inside of the small council, but yeah. I certainly didn't expect this to be expedited like it was and for for Sansa to go from what she understands as a as a really nice fitting to have her cloak of her house colors and the direwolf thrown over her shoulders, like immediately essentially being whisked away from what she thought again was a fitting right to the wedding. Everyone is there. They're yep. already waiting. It's a small mm-hmm. wedding because this is again kind of a secretive situation. Tyrion is there, resplendently dressed. Joffrey is there. The king is there, waiting. You know, she's been thrust into this much like us, and we're just kind of, we're just, I'm just, I was, I was taken aback by how quick it it happened, and and mm-hmm. it was just they were unprepared in so many different ways. Like, for example, um, not having a stool for Tyrion to don her cloak of protection. I mean,
2: it, even if they would have thought about it, I don't think they would have given him one.
3: I don't think so either. I think they wanted to humiliate him.
1: Well, they certainly did. And uh, for me, it was one of the most uh, uh, just hardened lines that came out of this chapter, and possibly the book so far. It says, uh, And so it was that her lord husband cloaked her in the colors of House Lannister while standing on the back of a fool.
3: Yeah. And it's so, like, when you know, you feel for Tyrion because you know him, right? Like, if we didn't get any perspective chapters on Tyrion... He would just be this this conniving gargoyle kind of character because that's how we would see him from other people's yeah. point of view. Sansa and and Cersei to some extent. We would we would only see this, this ugly little monster. Um, but he's such a good guy. And of all the people at King's Landing that Sansa could want to marry or even not want to marry, <laughs> Tyrion is probably the best choice.
0: And she even says that he's not as bad as the rest of them.
3: Yeah. I think she meant the Lannisters in that case, but I mean everybody. Like oh. I, I mean everybody at King's Landing. Everyone. Of, of all of the people at King's Landing, Tyrion is the only one I can think of who wouldn't have any interest in using her, you know? Certainly, She's like the
2: most eligible bachelor, or the most like the highest <laughs> prize to win. He, in he, my he estimation, was the of yeah. The king
1: before, so
2: yeah. I mean, Let's he's fallen honest.
3: somewhat, and he's he's uh, not a cool dude to look at. Like he looks rough. He's not Peter Dinklage. I'm sorry, Peter yeah, Dinklage. No, he you isn't. You are a handsome right? motherfucker, mm. but like this guy, this guy has no. He is. I will just like as a sidebar. When Peter Dinklage was cast as Tyrion Lannister, I was like. I get it. And I'm excited. But that guy is way too handsome. They're gonna have to (laughs) ugly him up. And even when he like loses his nose in the Battle of Blackwater Bay he's still really handsome. He just has a it's, really cool scar He didn't now. really lose his nose. No, he did Like, In made He
2: does more in the book. Rugged. Yeah, in yeah. the book, his nose is a scab. Like, yeah. that's, what the, is, that's what it is stated in There are show.
3: people who've done very good photoshops of Peter Dinklage to make him look like what he should look like in the book, oh. and it's horrifying. It but I, I, rec- I recommend Googling it. It's pretty it's pretty. Gosh, awful. it must it's,
2: like, be weird to be him and just like, Google yourself one day and come up with like, I just have don't see,
3: see, I don't think Peter Dinklage is just sitting around Googling himself.
2: Yeah, like, he goes. Some Lannister other
1: real injuries.
3: <laughs>
2: I don't know. It's weird yeah. to think that there's a photo of you floating around with no nose somewhere. Real, I don't
0: know. <laughs> real
3: injuries. Like well, how do about, you think Rafe Fines' photos? Yeah, it's about like you
0: Rafe Fines or something. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. knowing
3: knowing what I know about Tyrion, I would marry Tyrion Lannister. It sounds like it sounds like he has the best intentions. He's well born. He's very funny. Um, and he, it sounds like he's got a great boner. We see. We On get the it, we get it. We next episode, get bones. Kate marries. Uh, actually, she says it's ugly. But well, you know. okay. But it's the first boner she's seen. Let's let's take it back a second. Boners are weird looking in general. If you've never seen one and you see one, especially one that's like veiny and big, it's Bulbous. gonna look horrifying. It's like, oh right? my god! The first time you see a giant boner, you'd be like, ah! You don't <laughs> you don't want that anywhere near you. But once you've gotten over the initial shock of it. It's a cool it's a cool situation. Okay,
1: I had to go through that recently. Um not you know what? That's too dirty for this <laughs> strike. I right, let's talk about this dress.
3: <laughs> let's, Subject James let's, let's, let's talk about this dress.
2: This is the second paragraph. I do I've always wanted to I did want to quote this because it's just such good description. It's basically it's basically fashion porn. Like it, it is just well oh, yeah. written. Um, I'm skipping, uh, a little bit, but it starts, my reading starts with, The small clothes were all in silk, but the gown itself was ivory, samite, and cloth of silver, and lined with silvery satin. The points of the long, dagged sleeves almost touched the ground when she lowered her arms, and it was a woman's gown, not a little girl's, there was no doubt of that. The bodice was slashed in front, almost to her belly, the deep V covered over with a panel of ornate, meerish lace in dove gray. The skirts were long and full, the waist so tight that Sansa had to hold her breath as they laced her into it. They brought her new shoes as well, slippers of soft gray doe skin that hugged her feet like lovers. You are beautiful, my lady, the seamstress said when she was dressed. I mean, the slippers hugged her feet like lovers. Let's just, let's just marinate on that. Okay. Doe skin. Bambi's mother died to make Sansa's slippers.
3: It sounds awesome. They they sound, sound like good slippers. They sound like I, I don't I don't know if she, if they put her in like heels or if these are flat. I hope they were flats. God help I her. Help she her doesn't flats. need to be any taller than she is, <laughs> especially if she's married to Tyrion Lannister. But um, they they sound Pito. like like nice leather, like soft leather that's perfectly fitted to her her little feet. Oh, it sounds so good. That was like my fa- I, I I just like reveled in almost like the ASMR. Uh, feeling that I got mm. from thinking about soft, supple, doe-skin slippers. I, like, I want some mm. doe-skin
1: slippers. Me too. Maybe <sighs> Not really. Can, just to be a little bit more manly.
0: What, what would happen if I wore those to work?
1: Um, I think you'd be promoted, sir. <laughs> Alright,
2: so <laughs> I'm gonna try
0: that out. Yeah, there's a slippers of
2: champions.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh, goodness, Micah. Those are some... <laughs> Very nice slippers.
2: <laughs> Clearly we're paying you too much. <laughs> During
0: parts of this chapter, it reminded me a lot of going back to the beginning of A Game of Thrones when Daenerys was sold, for lack of a better word, to Caldrogo. Drogo. It seems like Sansa, in a way, is being sold by the Lannisters to one of their own family members. It's completely against her will, right? Just like Danny. Um, and interesting that we come from a Danny chapter into this Sansa chapter um where Danny has sort of become this freer of those who, who who have been enslaved. And I and I wonder if later on, you know, we'll get to a Sansa chapter where she sort of breaks away and comes into her own. But she's very much in a similar situation um to Daenerys. And I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that, but it's just something that came to mind.
2: And Cersei, who Sansa has always, maybe not looked up to, but who has been a caretaker, caregiver, kind of overseeing everything, including this dress fitting, says this to Sansa, uh, in this chapter. It's actually maybe 10 paragraphs. And she says, you're prettier with your mouth closed, Sansa. And it's this, this, it's just this admonishment that's so, well, not forwarding her sex, to be honest, but it's just so evil, and and the fact that Sansa is put upon not just for this wedding, but the bedding that follows after, all in the span of this chapter, it, you know, speaks to the quicker um, pace that you, you were just talking about it having.
0: And and part of why um, you know I, I don't like how Sansa acts in this chapter is because Tyrion saves her a number of times, and one Mm -hmm. of which you just mentioned, which was the bedding. I mean, she was about to have her clothes ripped off in front of everybody, which you know, it happened in front of a much smaller group of people previously. But even in that situation, it was Tyrion who saved her. There's a moment earlier on in this chapter where she's talking with Joffrey, and it's Tyrion who steps in and really saves her there. And at the end of the chapter, in a way... It's Tyrion who saves her again because he chooses not to force himself upon
3: her. Yeah. And I don't even think that it would have been a forcing situation. She she didn't want to have sex with him, but they were married and she was willing, I think, to do it. Um, she was just like not going to be into it. And he wants her to be into it. He knows that that's really important to her. And so he he's like, I am supposed to do this. And this is what marriage is all about, and I know, like, she's just like laying there. She's like, "Fine, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen." It's just fucking terrifying. He's like, "No, I want to wait however long it's gonna take you before you actually want me." And then she says, maybe the worst, most heartbreaking thing mm-hmm. about this whole chapter, she's like, "What if I never want it?" And he's like, "Yeesh."
2: Yeah. Uh, recoils well, a little bit. He recoils um, as if slept.
3: Well, I guess if you never want it, you never want it like it's it's a uh, it's so it's so hard for Tyrion to realize that it's just as hard for him. He's married to someone who doesn't want him. I don't think I mean he wants her physically, but he doesn't want her to not want him. And so they're both in this relationship where they they're stuck. they're like imprisoned already on their wedding night and it's so it's it just feels like such a punishment for both of them.
2: yeah, I guess it sets the tone for the rest of the marriage. If you're talking about, you know, feeling trapped, they both come away from that feeling terrible.
3: Yeah. I
1: thought Sansa had such a great point that um, honestly says a lot about not only the sexuality between these two, but just in in, in general. It was really interesting to me. She says, he is as frightened as I am, Sansa realized. Perhaps that should have made her feel more kindly toward him, but it did not. All she felt was pity, and pity was death to desire. He was looking at her waiting for her to say something but all her words had withered she could only stand there trembling so in this case pity being the death to desire do these people have any kind of future with each other with with both i mean both sides of this situation are filled with pity for one another's charge mm-hmm. it just doesn't
0: bode well i know no but she's only 13 as he as he points out and i think that's in part the reason why he decides To give it some time to to not make this an even more uncomfortable situation uh, than it is. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that the transition into this scene with these two was a bit more uh, manageable than how it was in the show. Joffrey and Tyrion had their sort of uh, stare down for a moment and everyone did did well to 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 kind of like chill it out like tywin was part of it and he was like hey he's my son's drunk your grace and and it's fine and and i feel like Tyrion kind of like realized what he did uh, and and it jumped back a bit too you know kind of being self-deprecating and turning it into a humorous manner but uh you know they were lucky to have transitioned into their bed chambers as they did i mean he mm-hmm. he probably would have been part of a legit betting ceremony the Tearing off and tearing off the the clothes of each other on the arms of people, which is kind of terrifying to me if you really think about it. <laughs> a girl of thirteen being carried by a bunch of sweaty, drunk, grown men and and having you know nasty things being shouted at them, yeah, that's uh, a bit harsh. So you know, Tyrion stole her away from the situation, and I feel like man, for 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 how scared she is of what's going on, he really made this whole process a lot less painful for her.
3: She, yeah, she's she's lucky. She doesn't realize it. She's she doesn't know Tyrion, and she's still quite superficial in a lot of ways, so she doesn't realize it. But she's lucky to to have his him on her side.
2: Yeah. Um, I, right. feel, I feel like their political alliance, the fact that they're married may come back later. We know she gets uh, spirited away from King's Landing quite quickly, but I like that even though they may become separated, their marriage is, is still something that could... Uh, affect things politically.
0: It might. Yeah. You know, what What I found interesting was when she was getting uh passed around from one person to another in the little dance sequence. Yeah, the mm-hmm. dance. And Sir Garland, right, uh, points out your imp will make a better husband when he's talking about Sir Loris. Yes. He He's a bigger man than he seems. I think. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. thought that was that was a nice,
2: amazingly high praise.
0: Tip of the cap. Absolutely. Yeah. To. A Lannister, which clearly the Tyrells are not big fans of, but mm-hmm. to have somebody like that talk so high about Tyrion, I, and I don't just think he's saying it because is there, I think he's saying it because he, he might actually believe it.
3: I think so too, and also he knows that Loras is just gay as hell. And So here's a three dollar bill, and and so Sansa would never be happy married to him.
2: Like I know something you don't know about Laura still. Um, yeah,
0: there, there's also another line a little bit further down, um, which Kate I think may apply to some of the things we we've, we've been talking about on and off, and it was about uh, King Aegon, and uh, Joffrey brings it up when he's talking to Sansa about Ugh. how basically anytime he wants her, he can have her. And he says that King Aegon, he had any woman he wanted whether they were married or not.
3: Oh, yeah. That's
2: oh. right. But that's was it right. The, but guys, okay, I know where you're going with this, but was it the third Aegon or the fourth Aegon? We're not sure, right? Maybe I think the, the promiscuous the, the one. The crazy one. Yeah, okay. the one that all everybody right. hates. All right.
3: So do you, we, we don't need to get into it. We don't have time <laughs> no, <to> get No, <laughs> we don't need to get into that. But, but, but I
0: just thought there, it's there. It's it in is. The it, is episode, there, right? it is there. It is episode right yeah We're going to have one of those If we're talking
2: about what's in the text, like Tyrion's line, you'd be fucking your bride with a wooden cook. <laughs> you know, is different in the book. He actually utters the words, "I will geld you, I swear." Yep, unbelievable, mm-hmm. unbelievable. I'm like, whoa! He is way pissed off. Like he totally should be, but still, it's just it's intense to actually read the words, "I will geld you, I swear."
3: Yeah, and he's doing it, and in, in protection of Sansa again. You know, yeah. like he's he's drunk, he he's mad, and he's he knows that his new bride cannot even stand to look at him. And so he lashes out a little bit, but it's, it's in defense of this girl, um, that he sort of inexplicably wants to protect and, and make sure that she feels, she feels safe with him. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for Tyrion Lannister, just like Tyrion Lannister Appreciation Club all
0: around. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think though Tyrion also needs to remember that his nephew is how old. So despite the fact that he is the King and he is a prick, uh, you know he's also a teenager, so yeah, but Tyrion he's done act a little bit more terrible. mature. So
2: yeah, much no, terrible shit. Joffrey like, would act. Thing. Joffrey would act on everything he jokes about acting on.
3: Yeah, like he, he's. It's not like he's making these jokes and they're like tasteless and everybody's uncomfortable. Like he has physically abused Sansa extensively, and I don't think he did the crossbow shit in the, the book, but, <laughs> no, he but show Joffrey certainly does a lot of insane <laughs> crap. So I think, I think he's well, he, justified. He, he gropes her during
2: the, during the wedding he ceremony. Does, yeah. He, he gropes her. And then he tells
3: her that he can fuck her whenever he wants. Like yeah. what an asshole. It's terrifying.
2: That's <laughs> a total douchebag. So that oh God, insult to Joffrey. the, that insult to the, the King's Royal person. is <laughs> just You threatened to kill me. <laughs> I love it.
3: And he's such like an insolent little brat too. Like he's when Tyrion tells him, like, I will gild you, the if if Joffrey he's such a shit. He just turns into a child immediately. He starts like shrieking at the top of his lungs, like tattletale style. And I'm just like, I he's he's this mixture, this horrifying, horrifying little person. I hate him so much. I hate Joffrey. The
2: adaptation is perfect. It's so <sighs> the show is great. And it has a different um Ending line as well, you know, of course, we all loved watching Peter Dinklage say, and now my watch begins, or, and so my watch begins. Um, it's, you know, I wanted to talk about this ending line in the book because it's kind of darker. Um, he says instead, why, that is why the gods made whores for imps like me. When she, when she says, what if I never want you? And that is kind of like a dejected, well, I'll go lay with whores. He's not, I don't think he's thinking specifically of Shay. Even though he has Shay, who happens to be a whore, but I I think he's just like that. He he's defeated. Like I think that that really he recoiled as if being slapped. I feel like he really is considering that she might never want him.
1: He's used to being treated as less,
3: totally not considered
1: equal as everyone else. Yeah,
3: it's funny because he. It's not funny. It's sad, but he he considers this to be a sexual rejection from her, and he won't force the issue. It's he's not going to be like well. We have to at least get you pregnant, and then I can go have sex with whoever. Like, he's not hes not even going to do that. And he he must be aware that not betting Sansa means their marriage isn't consummated. So there's a legal ramification to the fact that he is not forcing mm. the issue.
2: But he says, father be damned. You know, my father be mm-hmm. damned. And it's yeah. Just like, that's really big of him.
1: That's really...
3: He's a big guy.
1: So uh, what are we thinking about Owens?
3: I would like to... Give my own for the Danny chapter to Danny.
1: Okay. <laughs>
3: and I, I know Eric. I know about your principles. Thank you. But I <laughs> choose to ignore them because, frankly, frankly, Daenerys kind of. I feel like she should collect auxiliary owns for the chapters around her for this chapter like she for the for the previous <laughs> okay. John chapter I think I want to give <laughs> my own retroactively to Daenerys for what she
2: was about to do Kate, you're like the people who tweet in who haven't read and are just like I'm gonna give an own to the, the seasons weather. because the weather's hey, already like fucked people. up anyway you're no. like I'm gonna give the own to Danny because she's about to burn somebody's face off then after it yeah. happens you're like I'm gonna, I'm g- gonna give the hand to Danny because yeah. she's
3: she just burned somebody's, somebody's face, face off two face chapters off. Yeah, exactly. ago um, yeah, no, Daenerys, Daenerys is the epitome of the word own in this chapter.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. going to give my own to Daenerys as well for smacking him in the face with the fingers of the harpy. The harpy yeah. that was, hey, that was a good boss aim. move. Who
2: knew I wouldn't be able to control a whip that, you know, with that precision.
1: Oh, I think so. They're not too long. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a small. I'd say that the strips of leather are probably like thirteen inches max. You could, you could handle that. You know,
2: I feel like I did try and throw a whip once, and like I hit myself in the face or oh, like in, shit. in the body. I and would, it hurt. Damn, it dude. was not. It's. It was one of. It was like a. I don't want to say it was blunt. But and I forget where it is either at like a zoo or something. But yeah, like I held a whip. <laughs> it was at a, like a Renaissance fair. You, you were whipping like animals. No, 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 no. Whip. I've held a whip before, I hope you, and I thought it was cool because Indiana Jones does it in the course uh, oh, of course. Of of course. Oh, yeah. right, and right, right. And so I tried were. and I hurt myself. It was like my lip or my arm, and it yeah. hurts. So like yeah, you're right. Like I if. If there's one chapter where the uh, point of view character should get a note, it, it's probably this one.
3: I don't mean to be insensitive cuz you guys were like cringing when Eric said he hit himself in the in the face with a whip, but I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I think I would, I would <laughs> I guess we found our 10 dollar tier at the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you
2: go. One, one
1: time uh, I uh, I busted a blood vessel in Eric's hand when we were sword fighting.
2: Oh, that actually oh my really gosh. hurt. That, I yeah. forgot about that. It's fortunately didn't scar, but I thought it would.
1: I told you, man. I was like, you want to step in the ring? You better be yeah. ready.
2: I <laughs> know. Uh, I was not prepared. You actually, Zach has bested me in physical combat of all sorts. He, he, he absolutely, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it because I'm actually just enamored like, and shocked like how much he, uh, ass of mine he has kicked. Like, out. Ho- hotel room Quidditch, foam swords in a living room. Like, Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh wow! All your all
0: your normal sports. Can I have events. your own
2: then? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no! I have my own. I got to give my own to someone else. Uh, I'm giving my own to. Uh... Oh wait, no, Micah should go. No, <laughs> right. okay. That was a, I guess that's as fine a transition. My own we'll goes get... to Danny. Uh, uh, wow. Who... Okay. What for? Now she <laughs> has the line.
0: Why do the gods make kings and queens if not to protect the ones who can't protect themselves? Yeah. Yeah. What's the point of leading?
2: Well, uh, I I follow now... that up. Now even more resolutely, do not want to give my own to the title. I can't if you three did. I am actually going to give my own. I took a picture of it. I'm gonna give my own to the lovers. Uh you guys may remember or oh, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Giving my own to these lovers. So Danny is uh there's at one point the the river, which is called the Worm. Um she's looking across it and there's different wooded islands, and on one of them children are playing, and on another There are these two lovers, and I'm going to read the quote here. Uh, She does make sort of a very uh, humanitarian, philosophical um, observation, but I think it's actually George, so that's why it doesn't go to Danny. Um, (laughs) here's, Here's the quote. On another island, two lovers kissed in the shade of tall green trees with no more shame than the Thraki at a wedding. Without clothing, she could not tell if they were slave or free. Now that's George saying that without clothes, she couldn't infer, but he's actually making a statement or you could infer it to mean that it's a statement, which is that we're all, when naked, we're stripped of all of our, like we're the same people if we're not.
1: And this is the same chapter where the fringes are dictating social status, but at yeah. the end of the day, we're all just equal.
2: We're all just equal when we, when you get down to the bare bones, nakedness of it all. So I thought that was really profound. So own to George R. R. Martin for that. Well, Very when
3: cool. you put it like that, all of our owns go to George R. R. Martin.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> well, nice no, try, no.
2: If you Eric. look at the quote, it's not Danny saying in internal monologue or otherwise that she can't tell if they're free. George well, is a
3: perspective be... chapter. Everything that yeah, where he but wrote
2: this is a chapter. This her, is a chapter where mind. he just he actually keeps things from the reader too. So Bastard. I don't know. It's, it's a weird machination. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Well, my own for the Sansa chapter goes to the ever graceful. Dancing floor machine that is Tywin Lannister. Mm. <laughs> Dancing un-smiling. floor
2: machine. Yeah, right. Unsmiling uh what are the what was the phrase used?
0: Grace. Unsmiling grace. Unsmiling grace. S- no, sorry, smooth. smooth unsmiling. Grace. Absolutely. Unsmiling. Grace. Listen,
1: he's had experience. He's like, let me he's like, I'm about to cut the rug on this shit. Like, bring
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just performed so many of these functions, like as representative to the Lannister family that he's over it. It's Not like, how gone. many
3: times are these kids going to get married? <laughs> <laughs> um, so just... my, my own for the Sansa chapter goes to Sir Osmond Kettleblack, mm. who, when escorting one. Sansa from her chambers, says to her, do as you're told, sweetling. It won't be so bad. Wolves are supposed to be brave, aren't they? And she's like, mm. yeah. 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 And it's yeah. this total, this total right. transformation <laughs> moment for her. She's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. And I I like Sir Osmond Kettleblack is kind of a tool um, for the most part, but he redeemed himself a little bit with that. So, own to you, Sir Osmond.
1: Nicely done. I'm going to have to give my own to Willis Tyrell for being nice to Sir Garland, being the person to strike with the first nickname, which was not garland the green sick, garland the galing <laughs> garland the gargoyle or garland the gr- or garth the gross <laughs> um i feel like it was nice so he's called garland the gallant and uh sansa is like oh you are gallant because he comes up to her at the table and he's like oh may i have this dance if your new mm-hmm. husband doesn't mind and he's like ah she can dance with whoever she wants go on ahead and uh, it was just cool. Like Sansa, even in all of that moment, was like, "You are smooth, Garland the Gallant." Yeah. So like, <laughs> Willis like
2: gave him that title, and then he uh, chose to live up to it. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. What's own. in a name? What is in a name? And finally, I'm gonna give my own for this chapter to Sansa.
1: What? <laughs> you
2: just,
3: you just gave us all shit for giving the own for the Danny chapter to Danny, and now you're giving the own for the Sansa chapter. To Sansa, I expected I that revelation
2: to be accompanied by much laughter, and and maybe one of our listeners has taken uh, the time to humor me by laughing. But uh,
1: <laughs> you know, when Sansa refuses to
2: kneel um, for Tyrion, it causes such mixed feelings in the in the readership of uh, you know. I feel mixed feelings even in myself. We want to hate Sansa for doing this. Um, we feel immediately sad for for Tyrion, who has to tug not once, not twice, but even three times. And she still does not kneel. But this is the death of her fantasy that we talked about uh, at the beginning of our Sansa discussion was that this is the moment where she has to let go of her vision. And she is basically resolutely remaining standing and saying, I will not kneel for my husband to put his protection over me. I won't. Do it. I'm going to be standing and my height will be sufficient and he will be tall and handsome or at least tall enough to wrap protection. So they have to find, obviously, this other solution, which ends up being Sir Dantos. But she does not. She will not and does not kneel. And even though she feels bad about it afterwards, I think that that very last grasp that she was holding on to that, that dream... Is 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 own, is unworthy because why should she have to kneel to receive uh, her husband's protection? He clearly can't protect her if he can't drape you know something over her, if he's not her height. That's the you know theory. Mm-hmm. So For all the
3: sensitivity and sympathy and protection that Tyrion does show Sansa, I feel that that move from her is just full on brat. And I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I, do, I do believe she deserves some owns for this chapter. So I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think that moment in and of itself, I totally disagree. I think she's wow. the least own moment. <laughs> You're disagreeing with chapter. an own? <laughs> yeah. well, no,
0: I mean you can say that she owns Tyrion, right? Oh I mean,
2: yeah, but I don't really mean to say that.
0: But she does. I she mean, does. I agree with Kate. That's, that's, that's yeah, that, that's in what that she's doing. moment she's acting like a 13 year old. Yeah, yeah. And she's upset with everything that's going on. She's upset at Cersei. She is upset. Pretty much with every Lannister, probably aside from Tyrion. And he's the only person really on that in that family that is on her side, so to speak. And she can't even do him the courtesy of kneeling down.
1: Exactly. Why should I spare his feelings when no one cares about mine? Why, why, why? It is such a, little a,
2: girl such
3: thing. a bratty yeah. move. Mm-hmm. But it's her mm-hmm.
2: last time that she'll ever get to do something like that. So, hey. It's her wedding day. It's her wedding she can cry oh, yeah, on. because she's, she's <laughs>
3: friendzilla.
1: <laughs> I'm with her though. I'm with Sansa because I mean she was just having a normal day and then all of a sudden she's being whisked, whisked into a yeah uh, seriously getting like, married. They knew the so they do the height restrictions. They her. should,
2: you know, prepare a stool. It's customary to have the
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I still think it was kind of funny that Dantos, like they used to Dantos. So. It's like, turn to a table. It's like uh, all the old stuff that I had to do as a, as a kid with my friends. So not too bad. I've done it yeah. before. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs>
1: oh, geez. Well, that's those are our own, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think that now, between the four of us, on our 250th episode... Woo! Uh, it's time to see what you thought in the world about this stuff. Let's
0: do <laughs> <laughs> so for our owns this week. Let's start off with an email mm. Ooh. Ooh. from our good friend Nick Hartley, who does not so he does, he does not, not. <laughs> not. He says my own for Daenerys goes to Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal. Whether you're from Carth or Astapor, rich or poor, slave or slaver, you are amazed. The birth of Danny's children has brought wonder back into the world. Even the people of Astapor, whose depravity goes so far as watching children be devoured by bears for entertainment, stop and hope for just a single glance. a good point. Yeah. My own for Sansa goes to Ser He not only gives solid counsel about marital alliances well before they come to pass, he also makes a hell of a stepstool.
3: Yeah, that's true.
1: Nicole does not so
2: <laughs> <laughs> Best signature to an email ever. Why not why not Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. Those of you who have scrolled upon our wall uh recently, giving your owns for the Danny and Sansa chapters. Let's start here with Lonnie uh, Lani Anzavino, who says Danny incomparably owned all with a mm. solid assist from Drogon. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Drogon.
2: Also, they say hard to pick an own for the Sansa chapter. There were a lot of contenders, but I'm ultimately giving my own to Tyrion for refusing to do Tywin's bidding while at the same time owning and controlling his own lust. That's true. It's probably the first time Tyrion has turned down sex, but it marks a certain maturity and ownage of his own destiny. That was a missed opportunity to give Tyrion the own during a Sansa chapter because I wouldn't give it to him during a Tyrion chapter. Even though I gave Sansa the own missed opportunity. Sorry. Auxiliary I owned a Tyrian. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Lonnie, for that. Jin Wyman writes, she says, Danny owned the slavers. Really no other own is acceptable here. Mm-hmm. For Sansa, she says, Own goes to Sansa's inner monologue. I am a Stark. Yes, I can be brave. I'm also <laughs> a Gryffindor. Different sigils, but Oh true. Different series. Yeah. <laughs> that too.
2: I guess she is wearing uh, Lion at that point.
1: A Gryffindor always pays his debts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go.
3: We got some Twitter owns as well. Boyce and Doyle has two owns. He says, My own for the Danny chapter goes to Drogon for going all Raiders of the Lost Ark on the slaver's face, eyes, and beard. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> and Sansa own is for Sir Kettleblack. And the quote Do as you're told, sweetling. It won't be so bad. Wolves are supposed to be brave, aren't they?
1: Oh. Yes. I feel like Sir Kettleblack needs to have a talk with Strike with about certain things that so. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed in our other show. Indeed. Am I right? Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right.
3: <laughs> You're right. You're right.
1: Uh, the lady Ash writes in she says, Own goes to Danny for knowing a queen should protect her people. Very mm-hmm. true. Indeed. Very yeah. true. Nicholas
0: Eng says, My own goes to Danny for finally breaking out of the Khaleesi shadow. And reminding the slavers of old Valeria. Mm-hmm. It's true. With that diction and that sharp tongue.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Alexander Murphy writes, in my own goes to a highborn maid of ten and three with a fair face and auburn hair. <laughs> Has anyone seen her? Yes. <laughs> Certainly have.
3: Kate Appleby says, <sighs> oh, Mother Kate. Uh, she says her own for Danny. What does Kate say, Kate? Kate says uh, for the Danny chapter, quote, the oil in his hair and beard burst so fiercely into fire that for an instant the slaver wore a burning crown. Much like Viserys was killed by a crown, so was Krasnus. An interesting King. parallel. Very, Man.
2: Death very. by crown for everybody in Danny's like story plot. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Ooh. I wonder <laughs> if that's a metaphor for something.
0: Next stone is from Ram Dent who says, First stone goes to Danny for being a total baller and killing the slavers. Mm-hmm. Obvious. Yeah, but that was just so awesome. Yeah. Obviously. Second own goes to surf surfy surfy <laughs> Turner. <laughs>
2: okay, okay, okay. Railer blades is one tweet, And oh, now we need Surfy <laughs> Turner.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, we need Sophie <laughs> Turner on board. a surfboard. Somebody yeah. do that oh. for us,
1: and we will
3: do it.
0: <laughs> yes. So uh, Ram's second own goes to Sophie Turner for making Sansa s- much more sympathetic in the show than in the book. Mm. Mm.
2: You just need to put a face. You need to see that loss in her eyes before you can ever forgive her not kneeling or what. Actually, I think she kneels in the show, doesn't she?
3: Kneel. I think she eventually does, but yeah. um, it's it's still really awkward. <laughs>
1: they captured it well, though, in the show, mm-hmm. the awkwardness of it. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Nicole writes in. She says, "Own goes to Krasnys for wearing so much oil and perfume. He became a fire hazard. Drogon <laughs> sends his regards. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> We all know those people. And she goes on to say, I think Eric's quote, if you knew him, you'd like him. About Tyrion is relevant here.
0: I wish Sansa had got to know him.
2: Yeah, huh. Well, she will. There's or, uh, Not she will, but there's still time.
0: There is time. We also uh, got in uh, some other ownage. Just generic Owens. Um, one that I really liked here from Brittany Black, who says, uh, Kate's summary of porny shit and boner trouble had her laughing uncontrollably. Wait for this, Kate. She was laughing uncontrollably in a break room behind Diagon Alley.
3: Yes. Nice. Nice. And a guy,
0: and a guy from Weasley's Wizard Weezes was staring at her.
1: Uh, I love life you know
2: uh, it's, all, it's so all cool our that worlds, people man. we know work at the wizarding world of harry potter that's cool think
1: about that though like the oh, fact so that funny. someone is listening to uh kate talking about porny shit in our show <laughs> <laughs> in <laughs> Diagon Alley, and then like she's like maybe laughing awkwardly and then there's a guy that's in weasley's wizard wheezes like looking at her this is happening in our lives right now i love life
3: britney black is killing it on twitter killing it week. absolutely own own twitter on to, to britney black thanks britney
2: oh nice uh, well, we heard earlier from uh, Nicholas Hartley, who gave us his own. Uh, but actually, now he has a story he shared with us via our inbox, our email inbox, uh, regarding Thanksgiving. Um, and we did ask for, I guess, over social, who would be your favorite. Or was it on last week's episode? Who your favorite? Micah posed the question. Yeah, Micah posed the question on last week's episode who would you most like to eat Thanksgiving dinner with? Nick Hartley (laughs) wrote in and said, I'm going to submit two lists for characters to eat with on Thanksgiving. For purely reasons based on the meal itself, you will have to go with hot pie (laughs) and Tyrion.
1: Mm, You cannot
2: give up on the gravy. Not (laughs) sure how much hot pie (laughs) brings to the table conversation-wise, but I could be certain that we'd have good food and fine wine Mm. uh my second list is for my Mm. two favorite oh okay i see what he's here my two favorite povs in the whole series davos seaworth and victorian Greyjoy. having grown up in rhode island i'm sure we can talk about our love of the sea (laughs) 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 perhaps perhaps after dinner they can show me how to tie some knots or how to rig a sail properly. <laughs> yeah, hard you know truths, what? Nick. I hope the four of you have a very happy Thanksgiving filled with food, drink and loved ones, Nick Hartley. Just that so. You know, Very sweet of you, Nick. Nick that is very Now, I do not know who Victorian Greyjoy is, but we know he's a Greyjoy or she, he or she. Is it a he or she? Can we spoil that? Not telling you. Not I wow. Okay. Whatever like it Victorian. is, they're they're a Greyjoy, so they know not. You know, I've wanted to learn knots. Not. Knots is like a good like self-betterment thing just teach, teach you learn yourself education so in general you know yeah like that's <laughs> cool to have that aspiration to want to know knots thank you Nick
1: thanks Nick that was very nice we got a we got a tweet from Amanda McGowan who says here's a pic of nearly all my favorite Game of Thrones characters <laughs> it's
2: a cemetery
1: it's <laughs> a graveyard yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh...
3: Yeah. Not too bad. Brittany Black also sent us a picture on Twitter of her new Christmas ornaments, which are awesome. They're all Game of Thrones sigil qu- Christmas ornaments. So thank you. That's that's amazing. I need to get some of those.
1: I have two new ornaments to put on my tree, my my Christmas tree. I have the one red ornament because I have the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I have a Game of <laughs> Owns ornament that our listener friend sent us. I know Eric, you have some as well. Yes, me too. Kate, we need to get you a Game of Owns ornament because they're pretty cool looking.
3: Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. didn't until Eric sent us one. Like on November 3rd and said, Merry Christmas. I was like, <laughs> I was like, where did this come from? I
2: took it out of the box because we were setting up our tree early because I won't be home or I'm going to be home for Christmas. So I won't be here. So we set up a tree early, but yeah, I saw that picture and I had to send it to you guys. Sorry. I said, Merry Christmas and not happy That's November fine. 3rd or happy Hanukkah. It was like a faux pas. Just to
0: wrap things up here, um, hearing from, uh, all of our listeners out there, uh, we did get a r- real fun back and forth between, uh, some commenters on watchers on the wall and uh, they're from our good friends, uh, Dollars Ned and Lollius <laughs> Palicanus. Is that right, uh, Zach? Will you play the the part of Lollius? Oh, I would love to, actually. <laughs> well, as you know, uh, we talk a lot about pronunciation sometimes on this show, and we made fun of uh, Rollers' name: Roller, Reeler, Ragu, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. um, or her for that unless uh, on the last episode. And uh, Dollars Ned uh, started out in the comments by saying that his name is actually Arlor. He's a pirate. <laughs> and um
1: last week Polycanus says Rlor or Erlor being serious and then he goes so we got Arlor he's a pirate from Dollars Ned and then Lallus uh, Lallius writes back Azor Ahar! <laughs> <laughs> and then they start arguing about how it's actually Makes pronounced. Sense. <laughs> We don't know how to actually pronounce it, so thank you all for All right.
0: That. So thank you to uh, all the commenters over there at Watchers. Uh, we love reading through and commenting ourselves from time to time. And uh, as I'm sure you are all well aware, there's many different ways that uh, you can get in touch with the show. And we've read from all of them, I think, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, through email. Twitter and Facebook is just Game of Owns. We keep it pretty simple there. But uh, the email is contact at GameofOwns.com. Through a little wrench in your-
2: in the little setup yeah. there?
0: Yeah. We could have just done Game of Owns at theinternet.com. <laughs> that was taken. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Speaking of the internet, Rollerblades is up to 26 retweets, 40 favorites right now nice. Yeah, uh, in the span of Make our show. good so that's pretty cool.
1: That was good. We, we, were, we were recording for our, our uh, other show on Patreon. Uh, a, a good bit talking lots about Thanksgiving and uh, holiday cheer. And uh, somehow that was born out of it. So if you're interested <laughs> in uh, um, what's going to happen, Chapter 3 will be out soon uh, following all yes. of our holiday escapades. So that's over at patreon.com. We thank you for everything. All of you, we truly do.
2: No, absolutely. It's, it's that time of year to be thankful for things. And we are thankful for 250 episodes and all of the people who listen and support us via the Patreon. And I'm
1: thankful for you guys. Can I just say that? You three? This has been fun. Yeah. Be yeah, cool you friends. guys,
3: you're yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kate Kate's always new brings
2: to this love. Thing. To reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I have not two hundred and fifty episodes in love with you three yet, so Aww. <laughs> she doesn't
0: want to get in the middle of three guys loving each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I love it. Rollerblades <laughs> is also up to 25 likes on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you
1: insta it. I did that <laughs> while we were recording. A Sneaky. Nice. Video, sneaky. <laughs> and
0: uh, one other final place you can interact with us is on iTunes. It's the fucking month of December, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. So nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, head on over to iTunes. No matter what country you live in, we're going to start reading from different countries. I think that's what's going to... That's was going to change this section of the show up a little bit, but uh, go there, rate and review the show. Uh, we appreciate it. And of course, uh, we'll read some in the coming weeks. You've uh, got to collect them from the different countries, uh, but once I do, I'll, uh, I'll come up with uh, some good ones to share.
1: There are so many exciting things approaching. Everyone at home, we've got season five, we've got some developments uh, this month. There's just a lot of really, 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 really cool stuff coming as far as the Game of Bones universe is concerned. So again, thank you so much for being involved. We are forever in
0: your service. Christmas
2: is coming. Hanukkah.
0: And don't forget to get your owns ready for Arya and Jon. Aria. Arya. Arya.